Um, without further delay, though, let's introduce Harold Eckert. Um, this will be my first experience with Harold. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, I love the subject that he's going to share on. It's a uh, preparation of the bride and longing for the Lord's coming. So Harold, pass it right over to you. Well, thank you so much. Um, so wonderful to connect with you, to see some of you. I'm very happy to see Karen from the UK. I think we had a bit contact in preparation. Good to see you again. We also had a meeting global prayer call. So good to connect and to reconnect with all of you and with you, Karen. So indeed, that's my subject, preparation of the bride. But before I go into it, let me introduce you briefly because we don't know each other. I'm Harold from Munich, Germany. I'm initiator and leader of a network, a prayer network called Global Prayer Call that started off in 2015, 70 years after the end of World War II and Holocaust. And I'm from Germany, so this is something that matters to me. And, and the Lord launched me into a new level of ministry in prayer called the Global Prayer Call. The focus of Global Prayer Call is to pray for Israel, to pray for Jerusalem, but also to pray for our nations and governments and churches and public opinion regarding Jerusalem, regarding Israel, because according to the testimony of the prophetic word of God, uh, Jerusalem will be a dividing point for the nations before Jesus comes back. The Valley of Decision, the Sheep and Goat Nations, these are some key topics that we are connected with and pray into. So that's basically my background, but um, I'm so happy to connect with the global family and that this is indeed a family event. So I'm happy and grateful to be joined to the family event, be part of it for this half hour that I do have now. Well, the topic has been mentioned and I would like to start with the end of the story. And the end of the story con concerning the bride is of course, uh, the book of Revelation and the last chapters of the book of Revelation. So I would like to go into it right away and start with chapter 21, where it says about the new Jerusalem. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So this is the bride, the coming bride, the final bride, the eternal bride. It's the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is the eternal bride. And of course, there's a combination of metaphors, of pictures, of prophetic pictures, that's a little bit confusing at first glance. What is the New Jerusalem to do with the bride? What has a bride to do with New Jerusalem, with the city? Well, all those are pictures that, in my understanding, talk about redeemed humanity, redeemed humanity for eternity, redeemed individuals, and redeemed peoples, redeemed peoples from all kinds of tribes and nations and languages. And, and the redemption of humankind, of humanity in its final conclusion under the presence of the living God, the tent of God coming down from heaven to earth and redeemed humanity living and in the presence of God. And all that is described at the end of book of Revelation. And that's what I believe is the goal. And what I do believe as well is that's the goal that the Lord had in mind from the beginning. 
Jesus is Alpha and Omega and redemption history and the history of mankind starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. So what started in the first chapters of Genesis ends in the last chapters of Revelation. So there's a united uh, narrative. There is a history that begins with creation and that ends with the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth and redeemed society in the middle of it. And there are some hints towards the redeemed society, what they contain about, what they are made of. So let's jump over quickly to um, Revelation uh, again, 21, but a little further on. And in verse 12, it says, it had a great and a high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So you see the picture, it's talking about gates, it's talking about city, but in a more concrete form, it's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel, redeemed Israel, the redeemed Jewish people, Zion redeemed, Jerusalem redeemed, Israel redeemed. That's part of this bride of redeemed humanity with the 12 um, sons of, um, of, of Jacob in the center the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's part of the center, but then it continues and we read in verse 14, where it says, the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So we, we have, have see here the fulfillment of the dream of Jesus as he talked about the sheep, sheep from his Jewish background and sheep from another background from outside of the Jewish world. So the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 apostles of the Lamb being united. And for me, that speaks of the 24 elders. So it's one flock under one shepherd. Finally, finally, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, the bride, one flock under one shepherd, the Jewish, the redeemed Jewish world and the redeemed non-Jewish world in one society, in shalom, in unity, in peace, in the fulfillment what God has intended from the very beginning. And the very beginning we find as mentioned in the book of Genesis. So let's jump over a little bit to the book of Genesis. And here we re read the, the, the origin. And the origin, um, just let me take one piece from Genesis 1 reading verses 26 and to 28. So there we see 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said to him, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of uh, the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then it is added in 2.15, chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So that's the beginning. 
That's the beginning. Then let's go further to the end and read in Revelation 22, where it says, beginning verses, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down uh, to the middle of the great street in the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Can you see the connection? We are called to rule and to reign from the beginning onward. And at the end, we will rule and reign in the presence of the God, the sweet presence of the Lamb, the light of God. And we will be united in his shalom, in his harmony, in his peace, in his fullness and wholeness. We will be united on, as individuals and we will be united as nations, as peoples, by the presence of the living God. So that what God, God intended from the beginning onward will come to a wonderful, powerful, exciting final conclusion. We will be mankind redeemed and united, ruling in God and with God the affairs of man on earth, on a new, under a new heaven, on a new earth. So if I'm talking about bright and bright, being a bright, that's the big picture that I have in my heart that they have in my mind, that they have in my prayers. And of course, as you can, uh, as you know, and most of you I think are very familiar with that, uh, Israel plays a central role vis-a-vis -vis nations. And so that's why it is so important for us as a prayer movement. Well, that's basically the starting point, the beginning thought that I wanted to share with you. Well, then on that basis and with that beginning and with that perspective, let's move on to a key verse in New Testament about being a bride and the preparation of the bride for the coming of the Lord. And that's uh, Ephesians, book of Ephesians, as some of you probably have guessed already, being very familiar in these verses. But um, here we see the importance of getting ready, the importance of preparation. And that, of course, is the theme that I've been given here, preparation of the, of the bride. So let's read uh, from Ephesians 5, and I shall write to verse uh, 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. So that's Jesus has given himself on the cross for his bride, the bride we have just described a little bit from its beginning and towards its end. So Jesus Christ has died on the cross, has given his life, has given himself, came to earth to sacrifice himself for this society, for this civilization to come. Jews and non-Jews being united under the cross. The wall of separation has been come down. And so this is why he came for, and this is what he intends to do in preparation for his coming, to cleanse his bride in the power and under the sacrifice of the cross. 
the cross of Golgotha. So this is where we go through right now. That's our time, that's our season, that's present time. It's between the first and the second coming of Christ. So because Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should now submit to her husbands and everything. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Now the important uh, topic comes, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So this is the one of the core reasons for the sacrifice of Jesus is to by the power of the cross, cleanse his bride. And the central element that's pointed out here, it's not the only man in redemption history, but the central element is the cleansing by the word of God. Cleansing of the bride from every blemish, from any wrinkle by the bath, the living word of God, the living waters of God, which is the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is why the importance of the word of God never can be estimated. But we know it's the word in the spirit, the spirit and the word. It's combined. It's two dimensions of the same coin, of the same metal. And the spirit and the word, the word and the spirit are united in cleansing the believers, the followers of Jesus, of every nation, of every tribe, of every language, of every denomination. The work of the cleansing is so important by the spirit and the word, the word and the spirits, like, like the 10 virgins in Matthew 25. And the virgins being challenged and being called to pay a price for purchasing the oil that will feed the lamp to show the way to the bridegroom, to the chamber of the bridegroom. So that has to do with word, with spirit, with oil, with anointing, but anointing on the basis of the word of God and the cleansing of the bride of Jesus by the power of the word in the Holy Spirit. That includes the blood of Jesus. It includes the cleansing of our conscience. It includes holiness. It includes confession. It includes uh, striving for a clean heart and a clean conscience on all levels of life in your own life, in your own relationship with your Lord, in your relationship with your wife, in the family context, in all the callings and giftings you've been given. The, the, the decisive factor is that we have a clean heart and a clean conscience before the Lord, that we walk in humility, that we walk in transparency, that we walk with a soft heart and with a meek spirit, and that we walk that in the context of life and calling we are placed into, beginning in marriage and family, and going all the different layers and levels of callings that the Lord has placed us into. This is the core of getting ready for the coming of Jesus in a way that we will not be pushed away as those five virgins that have not paid the price for purchasing the oil, for walking in the light, even in the darkest hours. So may the Lord give us grace 
give us grace wherever we are placed, wherever we are positioned, whatever our calling is, whatever our giftings are, that we do it with this sense of fear of the Lord and humility and brokenness and, and strive for the fear of God and holiness uh, between God and ourselves in the most intimate places and between each other as the Lord draws us closer to his coming. So this is basically what's been on my heart is the big picture, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And then the immediate situation that we are all called into, we are all born into this time and season for a purpose. And there's no chance, it's no chance that you have been born, born into the family you have been born to. There's no chance that you've been born into the nation you have been born to. That's no chance where the, where the Lord has placed you within his body. It's not a chance. And there are always challenges involved. There are challenges in our family backgrounds. There are challenges in our national backgrounds. There are challenges in our context of ministry. Always challenges. But the Lord has promised that every challenge and even the 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 darkest uh, elements of our backgrounds and of our weaknesses and uh, whatever we care with uh, along, there is a higher purpose of God involved in it and everything he will turn around and redeem for better, for good, for his higher purposes in our lives and callings, for our callings to be a blessing to him and to others as he comes into the darkest sides of our history and personality to redeem it. And see, this is my testimony. I have been born and raised in Munich, Germany. And Munich, Germany has been the city where after World War I, Adolf Hitler came and grew between 1918 and 1933, he and his party to the place where he came from Munich to Berlin and took over government and power and did what he did. We all know about the Nazi history, World War II, Holocaust and everything. And this is, this is the search of my life. The search of my life is to seek uh, grace and redemption by the power of the blood of Jesus. So where I've been uh, walking through in all those many years, in more than 40 years of ministry by now, uh, is a fruit out of seeking God's redemption and forgiveness on a personal level for my city with the specific history, for my nation with our specific history. So, so confession and repentance and redemption and turnaround from bad to good is my, my life story. And this is the source of um, where the Lord has led me through until global prayer call now, praying of God's redemptive purposes for the nations vis-a-vis -vis Israel, because the most important source of redemption for nations is to bless Israel. And there will be this valley of decision. There will be nations that march against Jerusalem, as we even see these days. You know, it's so, so current, so relevant. Nations building up, mounting up against Jerusalem, against God's Jerusalem, against Zion, against the place of King David and Solomon, the place of Jesus where he was uh, died, where he died and resurrected. So the most holy places. So Islam is rising up against God's purposes for Jerusalem. And the nations have to make a decision. You can read it at the last chapter of the prophet of Joel. They have to make a decision either to march up against Jerusalem or to take side with Zion and be in the fear of God and the respect and in alignment with God's purposes for Jerusalem. 
so decision and, and, and at the end in, in Matthew 25 again, Jesus speaks about the sheep nations and the goat nations. And of course there are historically many different interpretations and I respect the, those different interpretations, but there is a layer to it where it talks about indeed about nations making a decision on behalf of the least of the brethren of Jesus which I think in the, in the most intimate layer are the his Jewish brothers, the least of his Jewish brothers and how nations treat the least of his Jewish brothers. And, you know, as a German, as a European, um, I can tell stories about that and I don't have the time to go into it, but I want to share this dimension with you. There's individual redemption by Jesus and there is the redemption of peoples and nations that has to do with the Jewish people, how we treat the Jewish people, the least of the brethren of Jesus. And those that Jesus has called out and God of Israel has called out uh, through Abraham and his descendants. And that goes back to, to Genesis 12. Maybe to close this narrative a little bit more specifically, I want to make a final mention of Genesis 12 and the background of Genesis 12, because not many Christians are fully aware of this connection of the Jewish people of Abraham being called out with the calling of being a blessing to the nation, that this calling out and this, um, this call of the Jewish people to a blessing to the nation is connected with the story that goes before, the story of Noah after the flood and his calling um, to, to be the origin of nations, the origin of the population of mankind, which happened in the chapters after, especially in chapter 10, where out of the three sons of Noah and their wives, 70 nations were born, but they were born under the covenant of Noah, the Noahitic covenant, the sign of the rainbow. And then the nations were, uh, blossoming under the blessing of the Noahitic covenant until they became arrogant and blight and built the Tower of Babel. And God had to intervene and judge the nations that built the Tower of Babel. But that was not the only response of the Lord. It was not only the judgment of the nations by confusing the languages, the judgment of the nations by dispersing them all around the world. There was a third response of God. And the third response was a response of grace and redemption. It was the calling out of Abraham to be a blessing for the nations because the Lord loves the nations and continues to love the nations. He wants to bless them. He wants to continue to bless them. Even those nations that were under the spirit of Babel, he wants to uh, open a door of redemption. You know, as, as a door of redemption was opened by Jesus for the individual, a door of redemption was opened by the God of Israel by calling out of Abraham and his descendants as a blessing for the nations. But it is one condition for the nations to get out of the spirit of Babel, the arrogance, the rebellion, the pride of, of the nations, and that is to accept God's chosen people and honor them and bless them and respect them and seek their best and connect with them of the, on the level of redemption and of blessing so that the nations bless Israel, Israel blesses the nations. And then a civilization can grow in Israel and out of Israel, um, a civilization, your grace and repentance and humility, the fear of the Lord and uh, the, 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 um, the seeking the, the will of the Lord and the Ten Commandments to take them serious. So it's about civilization, redeemed civilization. 
And that's the origin of mankind under the creative power of the Lord, the calling of the Lord. That's the goal of the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, redeem society, truths and non-truths being united as one flock under one shepherd. And then in the middle of it, the church being purified by the word of the Lord and Israel being purified and redeemed as well. And all Israel will be saved as other speakers have pointed out already. So this is my little bit to share with you. That's where my heart is and it's where the heart of Global Prayer Call is. And I think there's an overlap and a redemptive connection between Global Prayer Call and the praying family that you all rep represent. And so I'm very happy to connect with you and, and to bring my dime on the plate uh, in this uh, half hour that has been given to me. And I, I would love to just close by prayer, if I may, and lead you into prayer. Yes, Harold, um, may I ask, um, I sense a very, I said, what I would describe as a gentle authority that releases the type of cleansing and redemption that you've been speaking about. And so I specifically, especially when it comes to, uh, I, I sense there's a, a, people have a need for that to impact their conscience right now. Mm. That washing to, to really enter in and, and impact them in the conscience and um, um, release them from personal burdens and um, social burdens, like you said, uh, um, city, nationality, ethnicity. So would you mind just taking a minute and focusing a, a prayer in that direction? Oh, please go ahead. Take a lead and I join. Oh, no, for you. I'd like to ask you to pray that. Okay, then I take a lead and you join. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lord, we praise you and we bless you because you are wonderful. You are loving, kind. You are merciful. And you know all of us, all of our lives, our deepest thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our backgrounds, our family backgrounds, our present struggles in the middle of your present calling. So we are here and we are here in humility, in gratefulness and in humility. And Lord, as your spirit has touched our hearts, even on a personal level, these past few minutes, let your Holy Spirit do your work. And we want to close this session in a humble and prayerful mind. And Lord, if your Holy Spirit brings to our attention anything, anything that might have grieved you, and where we have grieved others, and in that grieved you, Lord, we just want to take a minute and be quiet before you, and put these things that your Holy Spirit is bringing to our attention, to your cross, before your cross. And I'm quiet for a few seconds just to let you do that before the cross of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just mention to him what you think has grieved him and what to, you want to ask his forgiveness for. And Lord, as we have shared these things with you, and you know our hearts even better than we do know our hearts, and just want to bring before you whatever grief is you and separates us from you and the fullness of your good purposes and intentions and promises for us. So thank you for this moment. And as we receive your forgiveness and your clean, cleansing by the blood of the Lamb, 
we also ask you that in the context that which you have placed us, our families, our spiritual brothers and sisters, our cities and places and nations, Lord, help us to grow as a holy priest and a royal priesthood, Lord God, on behalf of those areas which we are connected with and where we have a priestly responsibility. And Lord, teach us how to become more and more mature and anointed in being a royal priesthood for your glory. Amen. Amen.